What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your usual host, Scott Weatherly, and I am being joined by a special guest today. And a special guest for a special reason. We're continuing our Ghostbusters retrospective, and I've had someone different in for each episode. I had James in to do Ghostbusters 1984. I had Max in to do 1989 Ghostbusters 2. And I've now got Rhea Carrigan in to do Ghostbusters 2016. And I'm bringing Rhea in for a special reason, because Rhea... Um, as well as having a chest infection that is still soldiering on, like the true hero she is, is the host uh, and presenter of Femme on Film. And really, who better to talk about uh, the, the, I'm going to put it in inverted con- con- commas, the controversy uh, around Ghostbusters 2016 and actually then comment on the film. So Rhea, how are you doing? You okay? Hello. Uh, we're not allowed to laugh because laughing makes me cough. So this okay. can only be a serious discussion. I'm all down for that. Yeah, <laughs> very academic, very serious, very dry. Very serious. I will apologise that people will hear me coughing, drinking and having throat sweets. So I apologise to everyone in advance. Okay, it's whatever, whatever gets you through. That's what we need. Yeah, you know. So this conversation can happen. Just keeping it real. That's it. Yeah, As yeah. Jay Lai would say. That's it. Raw, yeah. Um, but you are because you are obviously the host of Femme on Film, new podcast. Uh, and I've only listened to is there only one release there's only one episode so yeah Josie and the Pussycats yes uh, I now have it rented and I'm ready for we yes. wasn't able to show Ellie this weekend because we were away but it's there and ready to go um, I'm quite looking forward to it based on your I'm review so excited have you ever seen it before I haven't no, well no I tell a no. lie I, I think I, I think I may have done it's one of those films that I fear or feel was in the background at some point mm. like I saw the trailer and I was like I recognize some of this I'm sure I've seen this so yeah <clears throat> it's been a very very long time I may have seen it once when it was first on DVD or something like that. So, yeah, um, I'm quite looking forward oh, to going I'm back to it. I'm very excited. I'm excited to see what Ellie thinks as well. Um, yeah, she's eight. So, you know, she'll be all sort of... Uh, uh, she'll I, be like, I, sparkles! Well, yeah, I don't know. That yeah. That's very gendered, but that's because I love sparkles. Yeah. So no, I presume be, everybody like, loves sparkles. She'll be just like, oh, badass musicians. Like, that's... Um, I did attempt, I sh- although, on um, you know, I did then show her the trailer to Spice World. And yeah. her response to that was more like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> Which, I mean, is the correct response. Because yeah. that, that's the thing. Like, It's not about whether the films are good or bad, although Josie and the Pussycats is good. It's about how the world responded to them. Mm. So I'm hoping to cover Spice World because I like Spice World in that ironic way, I guess. Although I hate people who say that. Oh my God, do I hate myself? <laughs> existential crisis you're getting into a spiral um, now yeah, yeah. Um, you know I think it's silly it's fun it's it is what it is it is not a good film no it's it, not I, I think it lives in the context of the time as well though I think it's one yeah, of those absolutely. If, you, if you watch it if you watch it completely out of context now like that film makes no sense <laughs> so random 
So, and does it even have a plot? I can't even remember the plot. I don't believe it does. It's a bit. I think it was meant to be like set up, <laughs> but like a Beatles film, wasn't it? Where it's like, yes, yeah, know, it's for it's the four sort of Spice Girls doing their thing. I think there may be like a vagary of a plot, something to do with a tour or something. I I seem to remember. And Richard E. Grant's in it as the villain. <laughs> Richard E. Grant's in it, yeah. I love Richard E. Grant. He appears in like the weirdest things. I think um, he's just having a whale of a time. I think he's <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds fun. Off I go. Yeah, he's one of those, I think, ever since he's like Whitney and I, he's like, right, I can do serious yeah. stuff or I can just do whatever the hell I want and, you know, enjoy yeah. doing it. Um, so, yes, he is the king of camp, uh, you know, the prince of panto. I do like uh, Richard E. Grant. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're here today to talk about Ghostbusters. Um, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters 2016. Um, and I, I, I've, um, I'm going to call it, uh, it's female Ghostbusters. Now, I'm, I'm going to sort of, we're going to start at the beginning before we get to the film, because more so than many films, we, we, we've gone through a thing of late, <clears throat> and this happens in the nerd, nerdosphere, as it were. Characters get gender flipped. Mm-hmm. It happens. You know, especially in comics, we get it. You know, it happens quite a lot. You've had uh, female Thor and um, She-Hulk. I mean, She-Hulk's been around for decades, but... You know, you get these things where you uh, Spider-Man's gone through it. You've now got Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman. You've got like a whole plethora of sort of the spider family. And in DC, it's done the same sort of thing. <clears throat> Sometimes it's, it goes, you know, almost unnoticed and the fans find it and it's all good. Um, sometimes, though, it seems to cause a massive <laughs> controversy for some odd reason. Um, and I've never understood why some do and some don't. Like... I think maybe sometimes it's context. Like, for example, in the mm-hmm. most recent What If, there was Captain Carter. So um, the, the, you know, the character of Agent Carter was turned into uh, the super soldier rather than Steve Rogers. And no one seemed to care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was none of this sort of like, you know, there was no backlash to it. it maybe it's because she was a consistent character. To it. She was a great character in it. No backlash. Not that I saw. Yeah, also, they're talking about a Hulk, a She Hulk TV show, and people are going like I've seen people going nuts about it. Oh, gender flipping, go woke and go broke. You're like, <laughs> you don't even know the comics because like She Hulk's been around since the 80s. Like, it's bizarre how people react to these things. Um, I, yeah, so I, I, I don't have any fully formed theories, more probably rants about it, mm. but I think. One aspect of it is how much you can, as a male audience, you can fancy a character. Yes. So I think if there's like a gender flip and it's for a hot young woman who's going to be in sexy clothes being sexy, I think audiences tend to be okay with that. When it's things like Ocean's 8 and it's sort of older, more Mm. people from diverse backgrounds or... Ghostbusters 2016 or She-Hulk when it's not young, hot, blonde women running around looking hot. Mm. That's I, I think that definitely contributes to it. I've got no evidence behind it, but no. that, that's one of the themes that I see, that it's when it's not there for, uh, for the male gaze, for the male viewer, I think that tends to get a lot of backlash. I also think when it's something like we even saw this with Captain Marvel, didn't we? That mm-hmm. people fancy Brie Larson, but they don't like her being strong, powerful, the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. They don't like that. 
Yeah. If she could just be Captain Marvel and not be so badass and cool and all of those sort of things, like that would be acceptable. Yeah. I, I think you have a really good point. And Captain Marvel is a really good example of this. She's almost like a microcosm of it. Um, because obviously when she was, before she was Captain Marvel, she was Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she was Ms. Marvel, she basically went around in a swimsuit and thigh high boots. Yeah. And, you know, not even like a, not even like a good swimsuit, like, you know, not one that's providing much support as far as I can see. Um, and then obviously she became Captain Marvel and was given the full bodysuit. And there was less yeah. about the you know, Carol Danvers all of a sudden became uh, a legit. Sounds horrible because she wasn't legit, but she became like a legit. <laughs> fem- yeah, she became like a, a legit female uh, centric uh superhero you know before there'd clearly been that element of titillation in there yeah and 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 you're right there was this there was this sort of thing of like there was this backlash of like you know oh, not my car hashtag not my you know exactly marvel and then like, but then there was the carol core and all these women that came out and you see all these great cosplayers and stuff um and then it led to obviously Ms. the new ms marvel kamala khan and you sort of again there was backlash there and you're like yeah. hang on like She's just a kid, like she's a kid superhero. Like she's supposed, she's not meant to appeal to some forty-year-old yeah. men. She's supposed to appeal to a sixteen-year-old girl. Like that's the target audience. Like it, 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 it always baffles me when people get irate about this stuff. It's definitely um, a powerful wound thing because we see, you know, we saw it with Ray. You know, mm. when when Ray's first introduced, all we got is, oh, she's such a Mary Sue. She's such a Mary Sue. Now, when were people sitting around saying that about Luke Skywalker? Like nobody cared because yeah. he, you know, he's a man and he gets to play with light swords. Yeah. But Ray comes in, and I mean, let's not talk about how much they ruin Ray over the course of the three films. But mm-hmm. she comes in, and, and it was a mate for me as a woman seeing her uh, having loved Star Wars like my entire life, seeing her and being like, "Cool, yeah, she can just use the Force. She can just yeah. access her powers." Yeah. Like. I don't, I don't give a shit. It's Star Wars. I don't need like 50 films of her learning to train. Like Luke didn't get to do that. But it's the exact same sort of thing. There's just the misogynistic male audience just cannot handle that shit. It just makes them lose their minds. Yeah. And I always find that people say oh, it's like a small corner of the internet and all of these sort of things. It's but not. it's not. It's 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 the world we live in. We live in a yeah. patriarchal society. So it's in everything that we do. And it's just a reflection of society as a whole. Some people just happen to be vocalising it very loudly. It's weird, and I think that you know, I you know, um, you know, all my listeners, everyone listening, will know that I'm a, I'm a you know, a, I'm about to turn forty soon. I'm, I'm a white male. Oh, like, me I, too. I, yeah, I, <laughs> not the not the white not the white man. I'm a white woman who's about to turn forty. Yeah, it's the best. Life <laughs> begins at forty. Podcasting begins Hell at forty. Hell yes. Um, but yeah, like one of the things I've learned is when I was a kid, I'm, I, I, you know, when I was a lot younger. 15 years ago 20 years ago there was that thing of the requirement for the titillation the requirement for um those different bits and pieces like you know you're a kid you're driven by your hormones you know i was driven with the brain in a different head it's one of those things as a kid or when you're younger and then as i got older you sort of you know maybe it's because i'm specifically grumpy about things <laughs> i don't know but then i'm like why should i be annoyed like about spider woman or ray or like you know, I'm I'm more annoyed about the fact, like you say, that the second two of the sequel of the sequel trilogy are shit. But that's a different issue. That's about filmmakers and stuff, not a specific character. Mm-hmm. Like Daisy Ridley did not contribute in. You know, it's not her fault. Those films are crap. It, there's a whole host of factors. But I came out of the Force Awakens, and been like, yeah, this is Ace. Like I love yeah. that. 
Um, and there's other things like there's TV shows where people sort of go like, you know, I can't watch um, Supergirl, you know, or other examples of that. And I go, that's fine. Don't watch it then. Well, you know, you know, well, don't hate on it. Just don't watch it. Like, it's not for yeah, you. Absolutely. Like, it's a CW yeah. show. It's not for you. <laughs> like, I know it's not for me. I've watched a couple of episodes and I've gone, eh, it's all right. It's not for me. Move on. <laughs> yeah, got, absolutely. And I, I just find you don't have baffling. to shit on things you don't like. I mean, no. sometimes it's really fun. Yeah. But, you know, but it still needs to be done in like a proper critical manner. Yes. Just don't just shit on things for the sake of shitting on things. No, I hate something is not a criticism. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate, I, 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 you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to count up to 10. I hate when people say that. And I, it's one of the things, again, I see, I hear it on things, I see it in things, I read it where people are just like, I, I think this is bad because I didn't like it. And you're like, all right, that's fine. I, I saw it with Halloween Kills, like the Halloween franchise. Yeah. Like you see people, I saw reviews, and it's, you know, that are like, I don't like this because I don't like horror films. And you go, well, then you were never going to like it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's baffling to me, this, this whole thing. And Tony and I talk about that in, in the Femme on Film we episode do. about Jason the Pussycats, that it's, you know, especially when it comes to critics or people or writers, that they need to take themselves out of that world. And mm-hmm. it's not about whether they like it or not. It's not about whether it appeals to them or not. It's about the film or the piece of media critically as a whole, mm. that you've just got to separate yourself. And I think that doesn't happen yes. as much as it should. I think it does happen quite a lot, but it doesn't happen as much as it should. And I think, you know, we'll we'll explore that when we talk about Ghostbusters 2016 yes, as well. It's a, it's a rule that, you know, on, my, on the sister podcast, Stories at Time and Space, Julie and I have it as a rule. Mm. Like, if we are going to criticise something, we have to give it a justification. We can't just be like, I hate it. <laughs> like, you know, it's got to be, well, why don't you like it? What didn't work? Did it, you know, that sort of thing. Why doesn't it hold together? And there are things, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not I'm not going to be stood here praising 2016's Ghostbusters <laughs> as a masterpiece. Like, it has problems. Yeah. We've um, discussed, I'm not a particular fan of it. Yeah. Um, and so we are going to discuss that, but we are going to discuss the problems rather than just mm-hmm. than saying, yeah, it sucks. Um, so anyway, but let's get to the controversy. So that the casting of this and also the director, because I think they are two two specific things. So in 2016 or before 2016, I think it was early 2016. So I think this came around. This came out in about June. This was a summer film, June July mm-hmm. time. The trailer dropped, and obviously then there was the announcement and all sort of stuff you were going to get this cast. It's all. SNL um, alums, um, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen Wiig, um, Kate, Ma- Kate McKinnon, and um, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. He, okay, I was about to call her Patty, and then I was like, no, I know her name. <laughs> and obviously, then Chris Hemsworth, and then you've got all these others that you we know. There's a couple of others that obviously pop up from other sketch shows in SNL. These are all confident, competent. Um, comedians that you know they're good in other things, like every single one of these I've seen something else, I've gone, they're really good, and they have their moments in this. Um, but it's also Paul Feig or Feig, I don't want to pronounce this, brings his his type of comedy to this, and it can be found in films like uh, Spy, Bridesmaids, um, the, the, they're the ones I particularly think of. Um, mm-hmm. And then the question is, does that humour work 
in this context is one of the things that I was when I watched it this morning. I watched it last night and something finished. That's what was really subtle in my head. Does the joke, mm. do the jokes land? Does it work? I don't um, think they do. I think that's the biggest downfall of this film. I, and I think it's one of the reasons I don't. I don't. It's not that I dislike it. I'm just very much sort of like I think it's throwaway fun, mm-hmm. and I do mm. think it could have been better. Uh, not by removing the women. I think there's. I don't think that separately they're bad. That no. sep- I think separately they're very good. But when when you bring it together in this film, so I think when you get Paul, I never know. Is it Fige? Fige? I don't know. Feig. Yeah. You know, I think which is strange because I think his humor, his directing works incredibly well in Bridesmaids and Spy. Yeah. But it doesn't work with the actors and the script in this film, and that's for me just where the biggest problem lies. I actively dislike. Kate McKinnon in this film. Oh, okay, I'm the opposite. I See, really I, know, I I like her in other things I've seen, yeah. but I do not like her in this film. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't hit. And I think that's because, I don't know, maybe she was allowed to improvise, but I don't feel like the humour's right for her. I just It just doesn't work for me at all. Not compared to Melissa McCarthy and, and Kristen Wiig, who mm-hmm. I think are doing an admirable job of holding up this film. I think they both absolutely have star power and are wonderful actresses. But I think they, it, there's just something that doesn't click. I, I agree with that. And there's an interesting thing you say about those. Um, I, I love I love Kate McKinnon. Like, I can mm, watch anything. She's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like, I love her on SNL. Um, there's, a, there's a film called The Christmas Party um, uh, with uh, Jason Bateman. I was about uh, to say the Jason Bateman film, yeah. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston. Um, yes. And all that, and those. And she plays the HR, head of HR in that. And she is fabulous in it. Like, she's absolutely fantastic. And, and so I love, I love her when she pops up in all these kinds of films. And you're right, in this, like, she is off on one. Like, she's been given a lot of screen to do whatever she wants. And she, yeah. makes, she makes the character um, her own. You know, she turned up with that haircut, um, you know, inspired by the real Ghostbusters Egon. <laughs> She brings a lot to that thing. And there are times where you're like, you, there are times legit where she's like, rein it in. You know, and I'm like, mm, just, just rein that in. However, mm. when it comes to, you know, the, the fight scene at the end in mm-hmm. the street where they're fighting the ghosts, the bit where she's got the two, the, the, the new weapons, she's like, you know, she's got the two handguns or the hand um, proton guns. I love that. When she's mm. sort of like, she's like, oh, I've got my new toys. And then she licks the gun and she's like, let's go. Like, I think that's great. Like, it's so much fun. It's so silly, but it kind of works for me. Mm. But there are other times in this film where I'm just like, oh, please, just back a notch. Like, I just feel like she's working really hard. And yeah. you can see that she's working. And I think maybe that's that's where, because I'm about to say the word work again, so I confuse myself. <laughs> That's why it's not working for me because she's clearly trying to bring something, and I don't know if it's her or the script that's that's not letting the other one shine. But for mm. me, I'm just like, I can, I can see you working, and that doesn't make it funny for me. This is interesting, right? We're going to get to this because I, I I didn't want to make comparisons to the the other you know the original mm-hmm. the OG Ghostbusters, but it's 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 unavoidable because there is a thing of like, well, why does that work? Uh, for the most part, and this one, and this this cast doesn't like you say. When mm. I've seen this cast elsewhere, 
doing great stuff. Like Melissa McCarthy, she's hit and miss for me. Like I've seen her in some great stuff. Um, the one she did with, um, uh, um, oh Christ, the cop, uh, which is the cop with um, Sandra Bullock. Um, oh yeah. Um, I really enjoy that. She's when she's in the boss, like she's great. She's great. Like she can do some really good stuff. But in this one, again, like I feel that there's times when she's pushing it too hard again. Mm. And I'm like, again, like who's for one of the better phrase, who's the Bill Murray in this situation? Yeah. Because uh, they all get a moment to do it, all four of them, and it feels out of place. It's like they're all they're all stars. So they're all going to be equally crazy at some point. And I'm just like, no, you need to have have it pulled back. Um, and it is it's bizarre because it's the same with Kristen Wiig. Like, I've seen Kristen Wiig, again, like Bridesmaids is a good example. Um, even, even, like, even though I thought it was a terrible film, but Wonder Woman 84. That's what I was about to say. I do not like that film at all. But no, she's, she's bringing it in that she, film. Yeah, her transformation and stuff, the, the dramatic roles that she has. She's great. Yeah. But she cannot find, I don't think she can find her feet in this. Like when yeah, she's trying I to play this sort of like nerdy, the, the scene she has with um, Charles Dance at the beginning, yeah. most of those are good. She, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's sort of, it's like, is she meant to be awkward and incompetent? Is she supposed to be the awkward genius? Like, you know, and then I, it, it's like they're inconsistent with the characters. They're never entirely sure who's what that character is yeah i think that's a great shout i think that's actually a really good point that maybe the characters are less defined than in the original mm. ghostbusters i actually think that's a really good point because when you think about kirsten wig specifically and you think about bridesmaids i mean you probably didn't feel like this but i watched bridesmaids and i 100 was like i understand who she is she is the yeah. every woman character we are her we're in her shoes i get it 100% like her performance in that as as a woman is absolute genius mm. because every single woman I know who's seen that film has said I am that character oh Alex I am loves it. Yeah, Alex loves that film like yeah you know we, and it's like well we can't all be her but we are because there's something she brings to it that we have all experienced or been at that time or been on the receiving end of you know or like so she's clearly incredibly talented mm. And so thinking of that in context of this film is, yeah, why can't she find her feet? And actually, when you say that, none of the characters are as clearly defined as in the original Ghostbusters. And thinking about that now, what a shame. An yeah. absolute shame. And why didn't they deserve to have their characters more clearly defined? Exactly. And that's where I sort of, the only one that I feel is consistent as a character is Leslie Jones as Patty. Like, I think Patty throughout is um you know because she's not it's it's clear leslie jones isn't looking to be i don't know she always feels spot on like she she like, she was, read the brief and knew what she had to do and yeah, came in and did it yeah she was like well i'm not going to be the scientist i don't have to be the crazy one i'm going to be this character and um you know even like when she does the stage dive and everyone gets mm. out of the way and she's like i don't know if this is a race thing or a yeah. lady thing when I'm as so mad funny. as hell. It's brilliant. Like she makes me laugh. Like, you know, the power of Patty compelled me. All those, all those lines that she has feel consistent. Like she yeah. Patty is the only one that feels um, like a consistent character. And then and then I feel Kate McKinnon is going so far out that you're like, well, she's 
you know, she is Holtzman. The Holtzman is is very much a thing, just a slightly different film. <laughs> maybe. I couldn't, Holtzman could have been so interesting if she brought something just a bit more. It's like she got briefed kooky and went, all right, I've got this. I've got it. Yeah. And but if there'd been something more offbeat, maybe than kooky, mm. you know, like sort of like an imaginary backstory, right? Is she's incredibly smart, really into science. Nobody liked her because she was really into science, because that's what happens to most people, let alone women who are really <laughs> into science. You know, she had to work really hard to get where she is. So she's just you know, but she's obviously got like loads of personality and it's really fun because that is the thing I like about the character. Like mm. that she's really upbeat and happy, but not in sort of like I find often in films with women, it's sort of like, I'm just perky and happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to sing songs. I love the sunshine. It's not that kind of happy. It's she's just like clearly a positive person. So like just just doing something with that, but also being like a bit socially awkward trying to do the stuff they were trying to do with with Kristen Wiggs, Wiggs' character, for example, maybe putting that into Holtzman could have been such a more interesting mm. character. Uh, I think you're right, though, but I think this is it, isn't it? Like, when you look back at the original Ghostbusters, um, and I'm not making a comparison, this is, I'm trying not to, but when you look back, like you say, you, you, I, for the previous films, I've commented on Harold Ramis mm-hmm. like, as Egon. Like, if you see Harold Ramis in... Um, I've seen him in a couple of films, but like most most notable is Stripes uh, with Bill Murray from 1982, I think, 81. He's a very different character. So when he picked this, when he wrote this with Dan Aykroyd, there was very much like, oh, no, this is what Egon is. Mm-hmm. He's the awkward one. You know, it's, it's, everyone just assumes, and because this is probably what he's most known for, Yeah. everyone goes, oh, that's what Harold Ramis is like. Oh, no, he's not. Like you watch him when he does his sketch comedy. You know, he's from like Second City and from, I think, uh, SNL. So he did all that stuff. They were just like, that's Egon. Egon is, as you say, socially awkward. You know, uh, nowadays you'd probably suggest he was on the spectrum. And I'm going to be careful about what I say about that. But, like, you know, it's clearly there. Ray's that one that's upbeat, but like, mm. you know, open hearted about all this. He's, the, you know, he's a puppy dog. He sort of loves all this stuff. And then you've got Venkman, who's the con man and the scumbag. And then you have Winston, who comes in as the everyman. Like, you know, he's the one. You've got this combination. You you could identify each one of those characters. Yeah. And then when you watch this, I'm like, obviously, I'm a, I'm a you know, as you say, I'm a 40-year-old male. I'm not supposed to really identify with them. But you can't, I, I struggle to identify them as characters. Yeah, I agree. And I think that they blur a little bit because they all seem to be looking to get the good lines or whatever. Um, mm. and, and so it sort of falls apart. And I, but I feel most of it's between Kristen Wiig and, and Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Um, which is a real shame. But yeah, that's that's it really sort of about the... the, the, the you know, again, I don't want... They're not bad actresses, so I not blame... I, I blame Paul Feig. Yeah, I do. I do. That, you know, he is the one with the power in this film. Mm. Right. He's, you know, he's the one who's brought it to the table. He's brought the actors together. He's co-written the script. He's directing. Um, I mean, I presume there's a producer credit in there as well. I probably should have I think checked that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, he's the one who could have stepped in and said, no, this is how we're going to do it. You know, instead of, or just, 
or stepped back and said, right, you as the actors, I trust you to go and do this. You're this character, you're that character, go and workshop that, bring it back to me. There's just, I just feel like there's a real lack of that mm. control of coherence. It's one of those films where somebody needed to go, actually, we're doing this and this is what you need to focus on and this is yeah. what you need to deliver. Yeah. Rather than a series of skits, which of course it is because they're SNL. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just too many skits from one well, skit to another. I think, you know, that, that that's another point to, to sort of say about this. Is, and you can say that about the, the other Ghostbusters films. We have talked about this, that there are parts that feel like a skit. Like, you know, um, whether it be the Cedric Hotel where you first meet Slimer, and there are several moments in, in Ghostbusters too, but they all sort of feel a part of the whole. But there's still moments in this. So one of the things I said is, is that we talked about when, when I talked about 84 in particular, is how economic that film is. Yeah. Like it, it fits into like 30 minutes, they're at the Cedric Hotel, you know, an hour and five or an hour and 10, they're coming into the finale. Like it's it's an hour and 40 long. It knows what it wants to do. It gets in, gets out and does it. And for things like the the weapons or the proton packs and the, and the proton ones, like, you know, they make, a, there's several drop lines. Like they, when they go to the Sedgwick, they get into the hotel and they're like, you know, I oh, wish I'd tested the, you know, portable nuclear accelerator before I got into a lift and then they turn it on and they sort of edge away and then when they get on uh, off the lift they shoot the the poor maid with the with the car and it all blows yeah. up and all that sort of stuff um and you're like and it goes oh a successful test and you're like you you get this feeling like oh they've rushed this like you know there's probably mm. like Egon's probably done some stuff at home in the in the firehouse but not a lot this is the first time this has been field tested and that's it you just get this sense of it, and it doesn't need to crack on. But with 2016, there's a whole scene, there's two scenes, in fact, where they test weapons. And I'm like, I don't need that. It's like, yeah. they, right, we're going to check, we're going to test the proton packs to show you know how they work when we use them to bring down the first ghost. Now we're going to introduce a whole load of other things at a secondary point, so you know what we've got for the finale. And it just sort of slows the film down. They try to make jokes and it just lasts too long. I've clicked what it is. It's poor world building. Yes. So, in again, I don't actually want to, like you, I don't want to do the comparison because I don't think it's fair because I think there's lots of other films that do excellent world building. Mm. But as we're talking about Ghostbusters, I think it's easier. Um, you know, the world building of the original Ghostbusters is this is just the world. Yes. We don't need to convince the audience that this is the world. We don't need to prove to the audience that this is the world. We are telling them through our storytelling. Whereas in this film, it's very much the opposite. Mm. It's we are spoon feeding the audience that this is the world, that they, they then need to believe in this world to come along for the ride. And that's a failure in writing. Mm. that's not you know that's not anything to do with the actors, it being an all-female cast. It is it is the writers not understanding how to do good world building yes. and I actually think that's if you think about Paul Feig um, I think you can see that in all of his films none of his films ever do any world building because they're all about a group of men sitting around together making jokes there's like in all of his films there's like a very thin story yeah and sometimes it works incredibly well and obviously in this it hasn't but I wonder if that's also because he's constrained by ghostbusters what if this had just been a film about women fighting ghosts it didn't have to be under the the ghostbusters vehicle it could just be about some paranormal specialists who happen to be funny 
and fighting ghosts? What if it wasn't about them setting themselves up as their team? What if they were already a team? You know, all of these things could have made it better. And I think that is also one of my annoyances about when films are redone or remade or, or you know, it's because this isn't, they don't call it a remake, do they? It's like a reimagining, which is totally fine. I'm fully on board with. Yeah, reboot or whatever, yeah. Reboot, yeah. It's when they do a gender flip. I'm generally on board with it. It's fine. It doesn't really bother me. But you need to also just make original films about women. Yes. And why couldn't have this just been that? Why did this have to be Ghostbusters? Well, that's the interesting thing. Look, it was clear that they were going to do a Ghostbusters reboot. They were trying to, you know, they were trying to bring it into the 21st century. And I'm, I'm quickly looking at his resume, like his back films. And again, it's that thing of like, he's done tr- like, you know, lots of them. Like he did some episodes. He's done a lot of TV. He did a lot of episodes of The Office and, and Parks and Rec. He's done some bits. But like Bridesmaids, as we've said, you know, he directed it, wrote it. And I think, you know, I, I honestly think like it's, I think it's all right. But I think I know it's so good. But I, yeah, I know. I know. My, I say my wife loves it. I, <laughs> I think it will be held up as a comedy classic. I think it's a twenty first century comedy classic. Like people will go to it in decades and be like, "Yeah, that's a film that 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 um, I you can identify with the era." Um, and he, he did Spy, and he did actually did do the other film. The Heat was the film I was thinking about mm. with Sandra Bullock and and um, uh, Mr. McCarthy that I really enjoyed. But both of those films, so Bridesmaids, as you said, is it's it's original. It isn't original, yes, but it's it's like um, it's a rom com about friends, mm. and he gets that, and it's clear like that that whole film works because of that, and because of the cast, like he's got a great cast, and then the heat is like a is a is a gender flip of a, of a genre. It's the buddy cop film. So it's not a specific IP. It's just going, mm-hmm. here's the tropes, and we're going to flip them. Um, and the same as Spy, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's a spy film. It's not. We're not making a female James Bond comedy. It's I am gender flipping the, the idea. But Spy, I mean, the fact they are women in Spy is relevant to the plot, but Spy could yes. also be men. It, you know, yeah. it could also be men in those roles. And they tend to be the roles where that are the best, you know, yeah. Alien, Ripley. Yeah, I'll agree. Is, is, you know, all of those sort of films, they tend to be the best films about women. Yes. Well, Spy, obviously, the film is Miss McCarthy, is, you know, she's, yeah. also, she's also like the least likely person in the film to be a spy. So that's why it works. But it's because it's, it's a trope. It's a genre that he's yeah. sort of like, he's playing with general genres. So they sort of work better. But Ghostbusters is an IP. It's a very specific thing. And so people came into it with specific expectations. And I think that comes down to this idea of world building. Like, if you are going to do a different version of Ghostbusters, it's not a problem. Like, if this had been really well done, I'm pretty sure it had taken off. It just needed that world building and some expect some, some realization of what the audience, where the audience was coming from, I think. Um, so that, but that's an interesting conversation. So, all of lots of the discourse around it where obviously there was the patriarchy in play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but lots of the discourse and lots of the people who made the film believe that one of the biggest issues was nostalgia from fans about the about the original film do you think that comes into play in a lot of the criticism oh, I do. as well i, I do I, 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 yes it does 
How so, okay. Yeah, I was about to say. So how do you feel that works with something like The Matrix? So there's exactly. a new Matrix film coming out, well, but it, oh, it's still Neo. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other examples of reboots where they've done this. Like, there's always going to be nostalgia. Like, there is massive. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know about, it, but like, there's these there's these people who call themselves ghost heads. Like, you know, they are the cosplayers. Like, you know, they've got like fully screen accurate proton packs and and neutrino ones, and they've got there's a shortage of and, and you know, film like some of the later films and have suffered from a problem of the fact that there was a shortage of the Cadillac ambulances because of the number of people that bought them to then have their own Ecto-1, that sort of thing. That's how dedicated these people are. Um, so there is definitely, a, there's a there's very niche, very specific audience. But I'm trying to think of other examples where it has worked. Like there's been reboots and people have gone, actually, I'm fine with this. And I'm thinking about, you know, it sounds daft, but like Star Trek or... Yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's rebooted every few years. Yeah. Batman's rebooted every few years. But what are those films about? Well, they're all about men, and I get that. Um, but I'm trying, to, and I'm trying to think of the, you know, the, the gender flips or anything else where they've done something similar. But why um, would they? Because you gender flip, like this and Ocean's 8, and then apparently it's a big pile of shit without people any seeing it. So why would people reboot with a gender flip? Well, that's true. Because there is a commerce version. This is a comment. There is a commerce argument to this, isn't there? That like you know, bad. Because I again, Ocean's Eight, I thought was perfectly suitable. I actually thought. Yeah, the film I, was I, I, I again, I I'm not gonna go running around in the street saying it's amazing, but it's no. fine and it's entertainment. And as I've talked about before, we get so much middle mediocre entertainment. Yeah starring men all the time like and i'm absolutely fine with that i'm fine sitting down and watching a film i'm like yeah that was all right i'm pleased that i've spent two hours watching it hmm. but it's not blowing my mind no i actually think ocean's eight was too short if i'm honest yeah. i think that was compacted <laughs> into too much like tried too... to cram too much in yeah I, but i watched that and was like mm, that it's one of the few films that was like 15 minutes more would have probably helped that film yeah um but you're right there's definitely nostalgia uh, thing for it and the thing as well is again how the film was sold and there's this thing because yeah everyone who went to see you know there are female Ghostbusters fans like you know no doubt but the vast majority are lads who in the 80s and 90s who were brought up on the films and the cartoons and the toys and you know all that kind of stuff and so it's that thing of like if you're going to gender flip it You've either got you've got to if you're gonna be if you're gonna do a gender flip, you've got to be tight on everything else. Do you know what I mean? It's gotta be um it's got to be rock solid. And that's unfortunate. Do you know what I mean though? But like you've got to prove you, you, but, but then why does something that stars women has to be held up to a higher standard? No, no, I'm talking and I'm not talking about to a general audience, I'm talking about to the nostalgia audience. Right. Because the nostalgia audience... Or the nostalgia going, audience can just go, I love this original film. It doesn't matter if however yeah, many not, years later another film's made. No, all right, yeah, but I thought, okay, for, for the nostalgia audience... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm trying to make a I point. do know what you mean. I know, yeah. I, you know, is I'm sure you could say I'm being a difficult woman and no, I'd no, be no, very no, no, happy no. with that. You're making a but, uh, you know, I, I say that as I am a nostalgia person. I love films. And I, if anybody ever tried to remake Back to the Future... Oh, yeah. hunt them down and actually murder them yeah. because it's like possibly the greatest film of all time. Yeah, talk about um, that, that's another one where I talk about you know, when I talk about perfect pacing, like that film. Yeah, I mean everything it. in that film is 
there's a million YouTube videos, but everything in that film is absolutely perfect. The writing is the best, tightest writing ever. You know, so I say this as somebody who can put my hands up and say, I would genuinely be upset, like properly upset if they turned around and said they're remaking Back to the Future. However, and I love the original Ghostbusters. We watched it all the time as a kid. Mm. So I'd say, you know, I still say it's one of the funniest films, all of those sort of things. I mean, it has many, many problems watching it, it now. Um, at the same time, I don't think Ghostbusters 2016 gender flipped has anything to do with that original film. And I think that's okay. Oh, no, I think you're right. But then tell that in the marketing. Well, yeah, the market, I mean, that's that, not, should we talk about the shit show of the marketing? Yeah, and I think that, that's what I wanted to get to again. <laughs> because again, this is what I'm going to say about the nostalgia audience. Those guys, those, 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 those men coming in, those first two trailers, or that first that first teaser was like, you know, it's got the, the piano version of the theme, it's got this, it's got that, it was playing it up as, an act, as a more action-oriented version. It really didn't want to. And it told me that Sony panicked when they yeah. saw this. Um, and they tried to hide some of the, things, some of the sort of the female-centric elements of this as much as possible for yeah. as long as possible. Um, and I think that caused a massive problem. And you see that now with the with the newest one. I can't remember what it's called. Apologies. Um, that with the with the trailer for that and the marketing for that, they're trying to get that nostalgia audience back. Mm. And for me, I think that's going to be the failure of the film. I think they're actually going in the wrong direction. They've gone too far the other way. Um, I you know I've not seen it. I will hopefully see it and we'll hear my opinions then. But you know I don't have particularly high hopes for it because I've looked at the trailer and gone. Oh right, I see what you're doing now. You're trying to get all those little boys back on your side, and oh, totally. actually just make something fresh and nice that everybody's going to enjoy. Like stop pandering, like the final Star Wars film. Stop pandering to yes. the fan base. Just go and make something good. Well, and, and this is the thing when you say about make something good. Um, I and, and I, I honestly think there's going to be a sea change because things like June that's just come out, Denny, you know, uh, Villeneuve's. June um, is one of those things where you go like you know it's weird and it's big and it's two and a half hours long and it doesn't even finish the story go see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? I loved you I yeah. loved it although I will say once again we have a story of a cis white man being saved well, in the world but that's well, fine everybody well, well, no, no, it's no. fine it's fine have you read the book I say that but I did absolutely love the film. Okay. Did you, have you read the book? No, because okay. Hold hold those I know, thoughts. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. But still, it's very much presented as that, and that oh, is yes, to make totally. it appeal to a particular audience. Oh no, no, and I agree. that's frustrating. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and I say that as I love Denis Villeneuve so much. Yeah. I think Arrival is one of the best films yeah, ever great. made, and I think he is incredibly talented. And I would, if he wanted to, just. I don't know, film a street, I would watch him. <laughs> I would watch that for like four hours because he is so he, ridiculously talented. He, yeah, he's a fantastic uh, his, Why his does he make everything so pretty? I know. <laughs> looks yeah. so good. It, he is an amazing director. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, one day we'll talk about Jim. We <laughs> but that thing about him being the white saviour as well, because not only is it a gender problem, it's clearly sort of like, you know, oh, he's going to the desert people to make them better. Yeah. Mm, it feels, for 2021, it makes you feel <laughs> 
And they try really, really hard with that in the film. I think they do. They really. I think they have an incredible understanding of the source material. Yes. And of looking at it now through a modern day lens to steal that from um from uh, Jack and Mm. Tony. I think they've got a great understanding of that. Unfortunately, they also need to really stick to the source material, and that makes it troublesome. Yes. But this comes back to this thing around source material and the IP. And this comes back Mm. to this idea of what people expect of Ghostbusters. And don't forget, one of the weird things is, like, and you talk about the patriarchy and this idea of the male film, and, and, you know, would this, because one of the early iterations of this film, before it became a full female cast, was a two and two. You know, two men, two females. It was going to be sort of like a mixed doubles. version of Ghostbusters. Scooby-Doo cast, as I like to think of it when they do that. Yeah, sort of thing. It always makes me think of Scooby-Doo. Such a weird reference, but every time I see them do that. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, And I think it was going to be sort of like, you know, uh, Seth Seth Rogen and and I think there was talks of others. So there was talk of doing that. And But when you look at um, Ghostbusters as as an IP going back, this isn't the fact that that's not new. So when they did the extreme mm. Ghostbusters, because in the nineties, because you know, in the nineties everything was extreme. <laughs> um, you had uh, a female Ghostbuster in that, which is who, as a character, has gone on to be incredibly well liked. She now appears mm. in all the comics and other stuff. And then they had uh, a disabled uh, character in that, and a Hispanic character and a black character. So there was no real. Sort of, well, the disabled guy was sort of cis white male, but like even he would have a, you know he was in a wheelchair and stuff. It was a very diverse cast, and everyone was like, "Yeah, it's cool. We love that." You know, animation's very nineties, and it sort of some of it doesn't hold up. But <laughs> apart from that, it, it's actually a really good cartoon. So it's that thing of like the, one of the questions people said was like, "Okay, we, we've sort of got a basis for this <laughs> where you can do something diverse and different." You know why not tap into that? And there was these. I remember yeah. the questions then going like, you've, "You've completely skipped over like the you know the extreme Ghostbusters or this other." And it's still a shame, isn't it, that it is three white women and one black woman? And and yeah. I I actually think that um, Leslie Jones, as we've talked about, completely brings it and brings it as sort of like the every person character. But it does annoy me somewhat that she is the african-american person yeah. who's not the scientist and you know i know that she's fine with that and that's cool with me because she is a woman with her own agency and makes her own decisions but it is also just like come on yeah i mean she like the character's incredibly smart um i know they say like she's street smart but actually in general she's just clever in general um yeah she, you know. one of the things that she's like the historical encyclopedia like she knows yeah right stuff. she's and amazing yeah and she just brings out all these facts and you're like yeah that's badass but it's just like oh come on mm. come on we could have just had had some more diversity and, and and maybe does that sort of speak to other wider you know the diversity is a wider issue isn't it i mean you know yeah i mean it, you know i'm i'm a woke lefty liberal so i would yeah. say stuff like that no, but it's true. I mean, again, if you look at like the SNL cast, and you know, there's there's some people, and then you go, you know, oh, you could have, you know, the woman who actually, um, again, it's about star power. Like everyone who's in yeah. this has got a, is a name recognition. And I don't begrudge them um, anything. At no, 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 no. And I'm, you know, and they should all be proud of <laughs> so patronising yeah. of the work <laughs> they've done because you know they all do bring it to this film. Mm. Absolutely, there's just something about it that doesn't click. 
and everything that they face during the making of and after this film is disgusting, absolutely yes. disgusting. You know, so I'm not saying anything. I'm saying this if they're going to listen to this and and just be like upset. I'm talking about, you know, I'm not saying anything about that at all because I think they are all amazing and they're all completely talented. But I think it speaks to the wider society that we live in that we get four women being in the main cast for this this gender flipped film mm-hmm. as such, and three of them are white and one of them is black. I think that says a lot. Yeah, yeah, and the fact it didn't it didn't make you know, a great deal. People literally just refuse to go see it, which is Yeah, ridiculous. which is such bullshit. However, I wonder if it didn't... There's, there's a leg... Oh, I want to get to a legacy issue or a legacy question around this. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about Afterlife, Ghostbusters Afterlife in a, in a shortly. But there's, there's there's one other thing. We talked about the comedy um, and the style. But one of the things that sort of works and, and stood out and we talked about with the other guys... Uh, for for you know eighty four and for Ghostbusters two, is there are moments in each of those that are legit horror. Yeah. Uh, whether it be the library ghost in the first one, yeah. or the terror dogs, or uh, 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 Sigourney Weaver being possessed, or the the severed heads in the second one, some other bits like there's bits of like legit horror. Yeah, the second one, like a baby's kidnapped. Yeah, like, like a weird, scary yeah. nanny ghost. It's absolutely terrifying. I was watching that as a kid, and I was like, "This is absolutely terrifying." Why am I being allowed to watch this? Well, I mentioned to Max the bit that really always freaks me out, even as a kid, and now freaks me out is the bit when uh, Janosch comes to uh, Dana's apartment in the in the blackout, and then his eyes become like torchlight. Yeah, and he looks around the looks around the corner. It gives me goosebumps. It's so freaky. Um, but yeah, like that film has got like legit. It's not scares, but you know, it's not design, it's it's kiddie horror, but it's still got some edge to it. It's got yeah, I mean it's got it. that classic 80 things of, of yeah. children's horror is actually terrifying. Yeah. Because in yeah. the 80s, everybody just went, Oh, kids can handle anything, they'll be fine. <laughs> that's right. And, this, like, and now we're all just are... like traumatized adults in therapy. That's right, exactly, as it should be. But there's other <laughs> things like you know, there is that thing of like, you know, yes, this is a PG. Oh, what's it got in it? Well, it's got a ghost skin peels off, a zombie taxi yeah. driver. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, and the, the, you know, the MPA or the, BB, uh, the BBFC have just gone, yeah, no, we're good with that. That's fine. Crack on. And then you get sort of like in the mid 90s and all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, we can't have scares. No, 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 no. And it all becomes thingy. But for 2016, it's so, it so leans into the comedy yeah. that there is no horror in this film whatsoever. The only thing yeah. that's creepy in this is the mannequin, when the mannequin comes to life. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. Because you know how I feel about dolls type things yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's Leslie Jones. Her response to that is brilliant. Yeah. But there's no other part of this that feels like horror. So when it comes to the stakes, I'm like, yeah, I don't feel invested in that this feels like it's a real problem. It feels and like another a comedy thing, problem. Yeah. And another thing that really contributes to that, which actually Mother Half pointed out, so he was watching like the Formula One and I was watching this on the iPad. Mm. And he just turned to me and said, they really are like relying on visual effects. Visual effects can just ruin a film, yeah. can't it? And he's 100% right. You know, it it has the problem of poor Star Wars, I can bring up Star Wars, of the Star Wars prequels mm. of... Mm. 
of it's so fake it doesn't feel real you know and a lot a lot of films from the 80s have that because it had to be a mixture of of practical yeah. and visual effects but also they couldn't do a lot of visual effects as Jurassic Park taught us right mm. it's so much more effective when you don't see the dinosaurs it's mm. bloody terrifying um you know and so the problem with this film is the classic they just show everything and yes. everything's brightly colored and silly and you're just like I, I just don't care I know what's going to happen yeah it I at no point well the, the thing is when you watch the original and even two you feel like I, I know they're going to uh, succeed. I know they're going to be fine, but I still feel like there's stakes, like there's a threat. Uh, for example, like the staple of Marshmallow Man is silly. He's he's a literal hundred foot Marshmallow Man walking through Delicious. the world. Yes, and tasty. Um, but like I say, like you know, when he then catches fire, when they start hitting him with the with the beams, and then the fire sort of goes up the side of the building and stuff like. You're like, oh no, shit, this is like legit dangerous. <laughs> like, this feels like, yeah, it doesn't all look fabulous in 2021, but like watching that as a kid or even as an adult, like, I, I still feel like there's, mm. like, yeah, no, they, they're nuts. They are trapped between a flaming marshmallow man and the gates of a different dimension. Like, this feels troublesome if somewhat, you know. Um, and the same with like two, you know, you get this tension, but they can't break the slime mold and they've got to get some sort of thing to, to, to unify uh, New York. With this, it just sort of like, it's them just sort of going, yeah, we're going to turn up and, um, you know, we, we're just going to win. Like we're going to have a fight in the, like the fight in the, in the, in the streets. Never, it feels like a day yeah. glow parade rather yeah, than any, any real threats. Um. Yeah, and I think the villain that's a is so weak in this film as well. So weak. Yeah, I hate but, uh, the villain in it. But that's you know, this comes back to a, another part of the. We'll get to that as a problem actually, because I have an idea and I wanted to ask you a question, your opinion on this. But I just want to finish off on the special effects. Sorry, and, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. You're not in the horror, um, because one of the things I love in the other two films is they both have because they both. Let's be, I ain't gonna lie, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two. If you play them at the same time pretty much the same shit happens at the same time. <laughs> like, they didn't push themselves with Ghostbusters 2. Like, the timings are pretty much on par. Um, but when the shit gets real, at the end, uh, in, the in the first film, you say we've got the zombie taxi driver, you've got Slimer comes out with the, eating all the hot dogs, and you've got other stuff going on. And in two, the woman's fur coat comes to life, and you've got this thing, you know, the thing under the, the arch, the big ghost. And then like the Titanic arrives, and you've got um the guy rings up and it's like the Titanic's just arrived. You've got that great moments where you're like, no, New Yorkers gone nuts, and New Yorkers are scared. And there's obviously this reputation of like 80s New Yorkers, like if 80s New Yorkers are struggling with this, like it's bad. In this, it's sort of when when it all goes wrong, it's a it's a comedy fest. Like no, everyone's running, but it's all a bit like, uh -huh. yeah. Never. There's no stakes. No, and there's a scene in this. I'm so so. I've seen, seen the deleted scenes. I'm so glad it's worth seeing because it's interesting. But it's I'm so glad they cut it from the the final film. When Kevin is possessed, and he's at the he's at the hotel, and all those the soldiers and the the home, um, homeland security turn up. There is a dance number that was filmed. Mm. Where he makes them all, you know, he does that thing where he's like, and he gets them all to do their arms. Yeah. Up that turns into a full dance routine. 
And they obviously went, oh, it's going too long. We'll cut that. Now, to watch it, it's funny as a sketch. But again, it's this thing of like, it's not funny in the film. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny or scary. No. And that's the problem. It's not, this film is not scary in the slightest. And so when it gets to the, when, when he, when the villain, which we'll get to now, finally sort of becomes the big bad, I'm a bit like, eh, it's, mm. it doesn't feel like anything. So let's talk about the villain in this. <laughs> so, you right. We have talked about male res- response to this film. Do you think that this film is trying to antagonise a certain <laughs> section of the male audience? Uh, what do you mean, making Chris Hemsworth be a himbo? No, I'm fine with that. Because Chris Hemsworth is hilarious. <laughs> he's he's the funniest thing in it. Yeah, um, and, and the know, prettiest thing in it. Yeah, and, and who wouldn't call their dog my cat? It's. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I love how much he just commits to this film, like yeah. full on commits to it. <laughs> well, he and again, he did not want to be outpaced. So he ad libbed stuff. Like, you know, you know, he, you know when he does the the gong and then closes his eyes. Like, and he says, oh, that's really loud. Funny. That's all, that's all so him. So funny. That's all and him. And I'm now really worried I'm going to start doing it because it's yeah. really funny. <laughs> it's the sort of thing my toddler does. Yeah. He's so, but he is a toddler, isn't he? I love yeah. the fact that he is like a child in this and he's so innocent. Um, but no, the villain in this <sighs> is, it made, and, and this can sound weird because um, I know there's other, it's going to sound like a bad comparison, but it's also, it made me feel like, think of Joker. Mm. And it's this thing again of you know oh you know uh, c- c- cis white male under pressure is yeah. always gonna is always gonna lash out. So, <laughs> yeah, the girl didn't ask me out. Exactly, but they take it to the extreme in this, mm. you know, and he is played as as this um, complete loser. Like, yeah, I pick on him to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, I, I just it. Uh... So right, I I have this issue where I think it it is like the joke. I think you're right. Like it almost glorifies or mo. Unfortunately, this is in real life, but motivation for male villains shouldn't be the fact that they're a bit of a social outcast. Exactly. Unfortunately, it is because in real life, because you guys have been told all the time that this is your world and you should get whatever you want, that when you don't, you go, oh, it's so hard. Try, mm. I'm going to go and murder people because you're a cunt. Um, and a terrorist, by the way, as much as we don't like to say that about white men that go around doing these things, you're terrorists. Not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. Um, but it is... And I think that can be done well. Mm -hmm. Like everything, it can be done well. But I do think that's another problem with this film. I think the villain is terrible. I think it's confusing and messy. Like you don't Mm. really understand because the only reason the way they show you that he's a sad white man is by him going around muttering to himself, being like, oh, these people are terrible, which I think has really terrible connotations about people who either have mental health issues or disabilities. Like, I don't like that connection. I don't like that at all. Also, you can just be a bit weird and still be a good person or just yeah. a normal, okay person. Being a bit weird doesn't oh. make you a villain. And and I just, there's no 
motivation for me and then when he turns into like the big i don't know ghostly yeah the ghost god thing yeah yeah and then like he possesses kevin right and then does all of these silly things with kevin's body and makes him say all of these stupid Mm. things i'm like it's completely at odds with who he was beforehand Mm -hmm. Surely, like his motivation, if we're going to stick with that character, would be that he wants to destroy all of New York because everybody's an asshole to him. It's just there's a lot of messaging there that I do not like. Well, this is the thing, you know. You, you mentioned Back to the Future uh, before and world building, and that this is another problem with motivations and world building. If you want a villain to be like this, and it can be done. You, you need their motivation to be rock solid again. Mm. Right? And the world building, it doesn't have to be, I don't want a big thesis on their psychology yeah. or why they're there. I don't give a <laughs> shit. But I'll give you two examples where it works, or I think works better. Uh, works better. Biff Tannen. B- Biff Tannen is a bully. Biff Tannen is an awful human being. Yeah, he's, he is just a bully. His entire motivation is that he is a terrible person who's a bully. Yeah. But one of the, yeah, but the film again. This is him goes. This is in Back to the Future Two, to be fair. But it's mentioned yeah. in the first one. Is you find out he's raised by his grandmother and she is awful, awful, yeah. And so you get this thing of like he's had to be a bully to get by, and it's just become a part and parcel of who he is. And so there's almost this like, uh, you know, it's, it's not enough for me, for me to say he's a tragic villain because he's not. But you get this glimpse and go, oh. Actually, there's there's a little bit more there. But you understand his character. <laughs> exactly. And granted, that's in two, but there's more of it in one as well. You, you get this idea. The other one I feel is, if you've ever seen Speed. Yes. So the Keanu Reeves film, which is again... Starts if I've ever seen Speed. Hasn't everybody? No, yeah. my other half won't have seen Speed because he doesn't like action films. So yeah. I was about to say everybody's seen Speed, but no. How can people like not like action movies? Action movies are pretty much the main sort of films. Anyway, that's a different <laughs> conversation. But in Speed, the villain that played by um, um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins? No. Uh, Dennis Hopper. Why do we get those two mixed up? Imagine what Anthony Hopkins <laughs> would have brought to Speed. Yeah, that's I a mean, very I different film. I think it would have been different. I don't think it would have been any better. No, no but it would be very different. Dennis Hopper playing the villain that. You get this idea. He is, he is, a, he is a, he's holding a grudge. It's all about that. And you, but you find out that like he has given of himself, literally, like you know, he's lost fingers and stuff because he was part of the bomb squad. And upon, upon retirement, he just gets given a gold watch. And so there's this thing of like, I've lost my wife and my family. I've lost things to, for this job. Yeah. And so I'm now just pissed off. Like I'm angry. At, I've lost my life to this, and now I'm going to take something back completely understand that kind of motivation it yeah. feels human it feels you get the anger i understand that resentment i understand the frustration the ghost 2016 like yeah he's just a twerp I, I, I don't understand it like he feels weak character and so yeah i, I don't know it's just what well, i don't know so you know that I, I agree. I, I, yeah i completely agree and i think you're you know it's okay with <laughs> white men being the villain. Yeah. With proper motivation. Yeah. It's okay with women being a villain with proper motivation. 
it's fine with anybody of colour being a villain, as long with good motivation. The same with people with disabilities. Yeah. It's when it's just used as a lazy excuse for the villain that I think it's troubling. Well, the, the fact is, like you say, they don't even give him... You know, and I'm not looking for an origin story. I don't want to... Well, no, but have, like, a flashback when he was or, in... I mean, this is a terrible example because I hate this example, but when he was in high school and nobody would go out with him... I mean, it's a bullshit yeah. example, but at least you'd be like, okay, fine. Yeah, or even some drop dialogue. Like, have him yeah. have a conversation with someone that is able for someone to say to him, you know, you keep even. Do you know what? What would have been a really good moment was someone to confront him and say to him, like, you've got to drop this bullshit victimization. Like, you you've brought a lot on yourself. Like, you've just got to get out there. And that add to it, like to the fact, like if someone was to face up to him and make him worse, I'd be like, mm. I'd buy that. Mm. You know, like he's put himself into this victimhood, and someone's going to trigger him even more. That would work for me, but they don't yeah. spend they don't spend time on characters. They spend time on Melissa McCarthy going around like a deflating balloon on the bit at the end of a program. <laughs> And, and, and I think you know that comes that comes to the key problem with this film that they do. They want to show the physical comedy constantly, but you know, for 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 both. Unfortunately, I think they're sort of um, at the cost of character. Yeah, I agree. Um, but as you as you sort of pointed out, though, counter to this is bridesmaids, which is all character. <laughs> yeah. There's not a it's so, do it. it's <laughs> so mad. I actually think like doing a comparison of this film to Bridesmaids is probably more fruitful than what we've been doing with yeah. the comparison to the original <laughs> Ghostbusters, because you could see what these people can actually do together. Yeah. And um, you know, I know you said you were like, yes, all right, but like actually bring something special to the screen, which they don't do in this. And you know, and I just I can't figure it out. I can't. I can't figure out if it's they just tried to do it too quickly, they just didn't believe in it enough, or I don't know, but I just feel like the cast is really let down mm. by the script, by the direction, by everything around it. I, I honestly think it comes down to two things, because because yeah, you're right about Bridesmaids being a good comparison, because that film is about two estranged friends coming back together, which is literally what Ghostbusters what is, is on this about. Film, yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, like, one of the, the key things I think is I honestly, honestly think they said we can't recapture the, the lightning in the bottle that was Ghostbusters 1984. Mm. So we are going to go so far different. We are going to be almost mm. unrecognizable um, mm. as a thing. And I think that was, the, that was almost one of the objectives. We've got to be so different and we're going to do this thing. And so they did that. Mm. And then I think the other thing is, I think you know they recognise that there's so many comedy people in this that they let too many people ad lib and some great lines, but it was it's it's a comedy outright. Oh, yeah, can you just say just one straight person? Yeah, just like just not doing the comedy would have really benefited. This film would have benefited from that. Even Andy Garcia as the mayor. Yeah, what's he doing? Why is he being so weird? Like every character in this is trying to be funny. Like, you know, when he's like, don't so compare strange. me, never make compare me to the Jaws mayor. Or like... Yeah, like, you know, so weird. Just... 
just be just be the straight man it's fine it's yeah it's 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 i think it's too comedy and that sounds daft because mm. I, I do love a good comedy no I'm, i agree I'm against the comedy but like you've got to balance it against other things which is why bridesmaids works because it's got heart yeah, yeah absolutely um, yeah, and again, I've just thought of something else. I will say it's finally before I shut up. And you know, you and I, I think, have a tendency to ramble or, or verbal diarrhea. So we, we, you know, a kid. I don't in know that what way. you're talking about, and you know, just <laughs> adding in my my muttly laugh, yeah, um, my muttly cough laugh. Th- there is a scene in this where they're called to the mayor's office, and I've just had this thought, and they are told about other paranormal, supernatural events oh, that yes, happen. Yes, and you know, one of them is like. Um, an entire town that disappeared, but they turned up inside out, like their skin was on the inside and their organs on the outside. Even that is played for a joke. Yeah. And it should be, like that whole bit should be a straight thing where they're going like, this is not a game. Yeah, like this is horrific. Like it, this is... Yeah. You, you guys terrible. You, you are playing at this. You're, you know, yeah. you think that you can turn up with your silly equipment you don't know that, that the dark forces that are out there, this is the shit that goes on in the world. And I'd have had, instead of Andy Garcia, bring in like David Duchovny to play the man, mm. you know, or even David. Yeah, because then you get like the lovely nod, fans would have loved it. Yeah. Like, oh, X Files. Yeah, exactly. Um, having having played the unnamed, yeah. unnamed FBI agent that's going to tell them the horrors that are out there. Like, give and it that's a what shot. you're right. You're so right because. If at some point in this film somebody had just turned around to them and said, "You need to take this seriously," mm. because that is one of the things about the original, or even Bridesmaids or Spy, there's a point in all of those films where everything needs to be taken seriously, yeah, and the characters have to get their shit together. And it, so it could have been done. Mm. We know that these people could have done it. They've done it in other films. And I think that's the, my that's my biggest disappointment with this film mm. is that like every time I watch it because I do watch it, you say it's throwaway fun. Like it, there are bits in this film that make me laugh out loud, like proper chuckle. Is the fact there's the disappointment that every time I watch it, I'm like there was an absolutely fucking awesome film in here somewhere, mm. and it's mm. a, and, and that's the yeah, problem. That is the problem, and and there's there's so there are good things about this film starring women you know it doesn't have the male gaze Mm. which is fantastic at no point are any of them sexualized or does the camera do what male directors and female directors just seem to do automatically which is have a male gaze yeah at no point does it have that at no point you know is there a romance or anything like that there's so many good good bits in this that could have been explored more than the comedy and that could have made it better and that's what's so disappointing and that like like we've said earlier i hate this i hate it when people say oh you know because it's got women it should be held to a higher standard that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is is this film deserved better whether it's you know whether it's a all-female cast or not But one of the exciting things about it for me as a woman who loves Ghostbusters is that it was a female cast. And then when you watch it, there's nothing in there. You know, it's not like the Tomb Raider films where you have to perf on Lara Croft all the time. Mm. There's none of that. And that's empowering. And yet they can't provide a damn good script for it. It's, yeah, 
it's one of those where I think, like, if this had gone through, like, a script polish, just somebody else had gone like, no, do you know what? You, you bring it back, as it always seems to be, is like, just pull it back a couple of notches, try this. I just think this would have been, this would have benefited from that. Uh, and given it that heart and that that mm. edge, I think it really would have needed um, to feel like, you know, actually this has got some clout and, and <laughs> something about it. Um. But yes, anyway, so, so any, any final thoughts on, on Ghostbusters 2016? Apologies, that was a short break for a cough. Um, I just think, like I've said, I, I do feel like we've probably been overly negative about it because it is often easier to focus on that. But I think my disappointment more comes from the potential mm. for it. And it's almost as if, you know, the... the the absolute negative reaction was awful and the criticism around it from supposed fans and you know from other supposed journalists and stuff like that aren't valid I do not think they are valid at all but it does play into that narrative by not doing justice to the actors in it and I think that's a real shame I think that's the biggest shame of the film Mm. I enjoyed watching it when I watched it the other day it was on it was like a Sunday night it was nice just to sit and watch it and watch some women be funny and not be perved at and all of those things and I enjoy that but then I get to the end and I just feel so deflated Mm. and it makes me sad that because of the reaction both before the film and then when the film came out. And I think it's like technically a flop, even though I don't don't actually think it is. It just wasn't as successful as some other films. It makes me sad that they never got to improve on that, that they, you know, that that the newest one, Afterlife, um, isn't a continuation of this. And I think that speaks volumes that people took this film and said, oh, it wasn't as successful as it could be. Oh, all of the people with the backlash, they were correct. And instead of just going, hey, well, let's let's listen to some of the actual valid criticism, mm. criticisms and try and do a second one, they just went, no, let's not do it. Let's just give up on, on female Ghostbusters. And that, I think, is bullshit. Yeah. I, I honestly think if, you'd given, if, if this had been given a second shot and given to a different director, yeah. like, I know it's Paul Feig's thing or whatever, I honestly think give it to a female director. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I, I, there is Patty Jenkins. Uh, there's a few others got kicking about that I think could have really, you know, having seen, forget Wonder Woman 84, that's a car crash, a vile, vile car crash of a film. But Wonder Woman is ace. Uh, you know, there's, but there's other female directors I'm like, I'm sure are doing like small indie comedies and indie films. I'm like, they can bring the character stuff that we want lets them have a chance i mean it's like i've not seen eternals i've not seen yet, watched no. nomadland and went there you go Here's yeah a big marvel film for you you know yeah uh, w- one of the things i would say is again we talk about this comes down to commercials i think you're right to, just to sort of um you know bounce off your points is i think the biggest disappointment in this film is the potential because like i, I watch yeah. this film and i'm like there's an amazing film in here somewhere i wish it had been that i yeah. do enjoy this film like watching it for this watching it for this discussion is the second time i've watched it this year so it's i, I do enjoy it it is good fun um it's, it's a bit of i don't want to call it a bit of fluff because that's horrible but it's a it's a popcorn film it's designed to be a popcorn yeah. comedy that's totally fine yeah it's fine 
and I think I think like you say, it could have been tighter and it could have explored more. And I think also think you made a really good point that compare this to to Bridesmaids, when you go, here's a film about a group of women dealing with their sort of relationships and it being funny and doing some crazy and some risque things. But you know, introduce that into a Ghostbusters environment, and I think you'd have had a much better film. Um, but yeah, one of the things I should say is this wasn't the end for uh, the female-led Ghostbusters. Uh, it was on film, uh, but IDW have had the rights to the Ghostbusters, and they obviously have a fa- they have a fantastic comic, uh, and uh, the uh, this crew had a, a six-issue series called answer the call which is very very good and then they have they have appeared in an interdimensional so there's in uh, there's a multiverse of ghostbusters in the comics um in which the comic ghostbusters have which are supposed to be the movie ghostbusters have met the real ghostbusters the extreme ghostbusters and (laughs) they have now met the female ghostbusters oh i love it uh and um Holtzman winding up Peter Venkman in on comic page is <laughs> one, of, one of the best things um, to ever to ever be held. So um, if you do like this to listeners, go track it down. Uh, you know, it's IDW. You find it on Amazon. It's just it's just uh, Ghostbusters answer the call. I think the one's called Ghostbusters um, crossover one one or cross event or something like that interdimensional crossover. But you can find them. But um, it's it's actually really good. Um, excellent art, amazing art. Um, but the characters are sort of a bit more defined. Mm. And so they've actually given them, they've taken some of the criticism we've had, not that they've ever listened to us, but obviously it came out a few years ago. <laughs> I mean, of course they Yeah, but they clearly recognised it and they did something about it in the comics and the characters come across um, much, much better. Um, oh, that's so and good. And, and weirdly, that was quite um, accepted by mm. the fan community. <laughs> I wonder if it's a slightly different fan community. The comics ones is slightly bit, yeah, is slightly different. Yeah, um, but it, they're good books. They are very, very good books. So then, my my final question to you then is: When my daughter is old enough, do I show her the comics books first, or do I show her? No, this you need film to see the first? you need to see the film first. Ah, okay, uh, because it does the film does inform the comics, right? So the comics build on the film. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. The, yeah, I think the comics sort of set literally within a year of the, the events of the film right um so you sort of like yeah the film sort of comes first um it's it's not i wouldn't say it's like mandatory mandatory but it's definitely sort of, it definitely sort of helps understand what's going on in the film uh, yeah. in the comic um but anyway, yeah final two questions and one of them i was supposed to mention to you before we started and i haven't so you know but um, I'll, I'll drop it on you. But first one is you, we mentioned Afterlife. Uh, what are your speculations and thoughts on this so far? So you already said that you've got low expectations. So I'm, I'm curious just to get a final few thoughts on it. I just I'm really over remakes and reimagining and rebooting. Mm. Um, I'm not engaged with it at all because I'm not remotely interested and not anything to do with the 2016 film. Mm. I just, I'm just like, why are we doing this again? But like, much like the new High Malone film, I'm sure it's going to be lovely and it's yeah. going to fulfil a lovely hole for people and people enjoy it, but I just don't care. Um, but with that out there, I think there's a nostalgia element that they're trying to bring in, Um 
that I very much see from the trailer, and I do mm-hmm. think that is due to the backlash of 2000, the 2016 film. Doing it with the sort of younger cast members, I find that really interesting. Like, is the film actually aimed at young people? Mm-hmm. And if not, then why is it younger cast members if you know your audience is our age? Like, I'm like, I, and I think that's where a lot of my hesitancy about the film is as well. I just don't know what it's pitched at or why. Like, is it a fun Halloween adventure film or is it a film for Ghostbusters fans or is it something else completely different, which is fine? Uh, I just can't tell. The general, now it's interesting you say about that because the marketing isn't, again, it comes to think about marketing. Like, they've clearly held back because the original, the original, I was going to say the original four, the original four clearly aren't in it (laughs) because Harold Grandmas has died. But he, the character of Egon appears in it. Like this is a generational thing, and as far as I'm aware, you know, and I, I've avoided trailers for the last couple of weeks, and this final trailer has, has dropped and apparently full of spoilers. Um, the, the the you know Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson will appear in it. So it's more. Mm. I think it's a, it's supposed to be like a baton passing kind of film. Like a, yeah, rather than a reboot. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things is, from what I understand is, and this is from um, uh, what's it Reitman, who is, is the son of Ivan Reitman, who has done this, has said that this is a family film. And he says, this is not just passing the baton for the characters. This is for mums and dads who love the original to be passing mm. on the franchise to their kids. And so it's that sort of kind of thing. So I'm hoping it's almost like Ghost, but it's almost like Goonies or Monster Squad or... You know, those yeah, kinds but, of ages. So my question is, so Jason Reitman saying, which is fine that, you know, people who loved the original Ghostbusters passing it on to their kids, mm. why can't they just show their kids the original Ghostbusters? Well, they should. I'm so, I'm so cynical about oh, yeah. let me, let remakes me just, yeah. and reboots yeah. and all Rhea, of these let, things. Let, it's let terrible. Me, let, me just put, let me put this into your brain. Yeah? It'll make money for someone. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's what I'm... Dancing around, but we, I'm just we like... also we also live in the era of what they call or what I like to refer to as the legacy sequel. Yeah, the, what happened thirty years later? So you know, it started with, if I'm perfectly honest, it started with like Rocky Balboa and Rambo in the early two thousands, and then we got Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, there's other examples, but this is just in that vein of what happens 30 years later or 40 years later from the events of Halloween Kills is another one, like the legacy sequel, this idea of there's been a long stretch of time, let's go back and revisit those characters. And, you know, we can now go back and see these aged characters and, and you know, see what's happened. And this just sits into that slot, I think. Um, and so it's, it's there to make money. It is. I'm very excited for it, but that's just because I'm a big... And I, and I think that's fine. Also, I don't get to go to the cinema anymore. So I'm also mm. like, I'm not going to see it for ages. Everybody will talk about it. I won't be able to engage in any of that discourse because I don't want any spoilers. And then I'll see it in six months' time and want to talk about it. And nobody wants to talk about it with me. Oh, no, no. Will remember. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're still like, yeah, no, it's great. I see like, it. I'm so excited. We went to see June in like the first week it came out. We went to see it in IMAX and it was mm. amazing. And nobody else had gone to see it because everybody was just like waiting a little bit because I don't know, some other reasons. I was like, I'm finally watching something at the same time as everybody else, but you're not watching it. What is wrong with everyone? I, yeah, Julian and I saw it first week, but because we wanted to talk about it. So there was, there was that of like, I've got to get in because we've got to talk about this, but, um, and I have thoughts about it. Go check out the, uh, the bonus (laughs) Uh, stories at a time and space review ladies and gentlemen it's on the feed um 
but yes, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Afterlife. I think there's some great stuff in it. But final question. This is it. This is the the, 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 the outro of this. And I've asked every guest this, about whether it be fans or, or doing the reviews. And uh, I'm interested, actually, because I didn't realise that James is your brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so he gave me his answer. So I want yours now. Is, do you believe in ghosts? Oh, so... No. But... I also think that you shouldn't just not believe in things mm. as in like, and I'm not talking about like crazy fucking people yeah. that that came off very wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about like people with legitimate mental illnesses, although conspiracy theorists could, one would say have legitimate yeah, mental illnesses. There's, there's anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I don't believe in ghosts, but if, Somebody turned around and said, oh, look, there's ghosts. I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, totally. I'd, I'd be like, yeah, all right, because who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? But no. And I also don't believe in ghosts because whenever there's any stories about ghosts, unless it's Casper, they're all evil. And why would all ghosts be evil? Yeah. What was Jack's answer? Uh, Jack was a very strong no. Yeah, yeah. very rational, very pragmatic. It's clearly a family thing. Yeah, I just like there's clearly not ghosts. Do you believe in ghosts? This is the thing. Um, I I do and I don't. It's again, it's that thing of like I want to. I don't believe in like you know the most haunted or like you know like yeah, paranormal yeah. Like, where they go out and every moving thing is supernatural. <laughs> um, but on the other thing, I you know I watch a lot of those sort of like you know yeah. on YouTube where it's like top five scary shitting videos. Uh, I'm an absolute like fall for them um but no, I, ones... I, I mean i love it all i went and mm. stayed in a haunted hotel in york yeah. specifically because it was haunted and i was like if we don't see a ghost i'm going to be pissed off <laughs> and we didn't see a ghost although we did hear something running up and down the stairs my theory is that's the staff that do that to freak yeah. out the guests which first of all genius and i will stay there again just for that experience because hilarious mm. but also i was like we're clearly not going to see any ghosts because ghosts don't exist but if we did see a ghost, that'd be ace. Yeah. It's one of those of like, I know people that have told me of their experiences. I've had like things that you could probably explain away. Only one really. Um, but I don't know. I, I sort of want there to be ghosts. And not because I'm, I'm religious. I'm definitely, I'm a, you know, I'm atheist. I don't believe in heaven or hell or God or that. But I do, I do believe there could be more to. Yeah, totally. There's just, clearly aliens. We can't yeah, be the only yeah, thing exactly. in the whole entire universe. That's bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, so it, it's an interesting one. I, I I don't know is the answer. However, also, I I don't believe in ghosts because I have sleep paralysis. I um, don't, yeah. My my sleep paralysis is a demon witch figure who will often start in the corner of the room and then come onto me next to the bed and then sit on me on the bed. Mm. So I know that's even though it's terrifying at the time, I know it's a very rational thing. Where yeah. some people be like, oh, well, that's a ghostly thing. And like, it's clearly not. When you're seeing orbs on your baby monitor, because there's yeah. always posts and videos about that, it's not orbs. Go dust your fucking house. Yeah. That's what I was like, say. <laughs> grab yourself a duster, love. <laughs> yeah. Clean your baby's room. I've had that. Oh, like, yeah, I've seen that. Especially, it's always somewhere that's really dusty. This warehouse is full of orbs. Shocker. <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, if you think that seeing your granny, 
if you think that you see you see or hear your granny and that's a comfort to you then that's lovely yeah. you know I'm not going to shit on that I mean I will but not to your face <laughs> just on a podcast <laughs> yeah but, but like genuinely if that's something that brings you comfort yeah. like religion I I'm not religious at all I do not believe in any of that mm. stuff but if that brings you comfort lovely this one video is one of those things that I watched hundreds of these videos and some of them do freak me I like them because they've got that horror element where I'm like yeah know, I love being proper, scared but yeah but there's one that I can't, I often think about in that there's a TikTok or a, an Instagram uh, filter. And what it is, it's one of those ones that, you know, it's sort of, you put your hand in front of the camera and then as you move your hand about, it leaves a, uh, a rainbow blur mm. effect behind. And so this, this person's got this and he's sort of got his hand out and he's doing this then sort of like his dog runs past and that leaves one. He's like, oh, this is kind of cool. And he lifts it up to the corridor and there's no one down the corridor. And then all of a sudden, this figure of a person moves, like, and this thing sh- shimmers, and he's just like, "Oh, fuck that!" <laughs> and just, and I'm constantly like, "I got this app." I was like, "I'm downloading that," and then as soon as I downloaded it, I was like, "Hang on, I don't think I want to know." <laughs> get rid of the app. Get, get, get rid of the filter. Don't want to know. Um, so that video, that video has always sort of like stuck with me because it proper creeped me out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't, it's interesting to see who would, who does and does not say like Max has got a great story. It's on the podcast. Oh, okay. He's got a fantastic story that's very weird. It's very sort of like um, glitching the matrix or ghosty or mm. whatever. It's very cool. So it's a, it's a story worth uh, listening to. But anyway, we shall we shall leave out there. Uh, so I shall leave it before we go any further. So Ria, before we finish off, um, tell us where people can find you and film oh, on yeah. film. Yeah, I have to do that bit, don't I? Um, so where am I? You can find me on Twitter at Ria Carrigan, R-I-A-C-A-R-R-O-G-A-N. And then obviously at Femme on Film as well, which is Femme on Film Pod. Um, that is also on uh, Comics in Motion. So I've got my second episode coming up soon with the wonderful Tonya Todd. We'll be doing Grease 2, which I haven't seen since I was... Mm. inappropriately young to watch it um <laughs> and it is a weird ass film um so we'll be talking about that which i'm really excited about i'm also with the pop gorillas so you can find us at the pop gorillas and then doing indie comic spotlight with tony on comics emotion basically uh Jack was like, do you want to come on and do some nevers with me? And I said, yes. And now I've just like taken over this wonderful, amazing thing that he was doing because I just like to talk all the time. Um, so I'm just round and about. It's excellent. Find me. Come find comics, me. Have some chats. comics in Motion is a fantastic challenge. It's a great oh, it's network so good. Uh, all praise Although don't do what I did, which is set your phone to automatically download mm-hmm. all of the episodes because you will do that awesome. and then you'll do all of them and your phone will completely break and die and then you'll have to reset it and yes. then you'll lose every single podcast that you've ever downloaded and it takes up a significant chunk of your day when you're supposed to be working it does yeah i can imagine yeah but it's a great it's a great name. and there'll be all the links down below uh so go find me and uh, femon film uh but ladies and gentlemen from from my point of view thank you very much for listening if you enjoy listen to what we do go onto your podcast catcher leave us a review preferably five stars but any feedback is good feedback we would appreciate all of it uh, and if you really enjoy what we do if you want to support us at 20th century towers whether it be for 20th century geek or stories out of time and space go on to our patreon it's patreon.com slash 20 to 0 uh, cg media that's patreon.com 
facebook.com slash 20cg media. Um, we've got all kinds of things on there. We've got a weekly podcast we do where we look at the Twilight Zone. And we've got uh, monthly ones of me rambling called 30-Minute Thoughts. And then also I bring on a creator every quarter to do from the species. We've got all kinds of things going on over on the Patreon. Go check it out. Uh, but anyway, go check it out. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Rhea, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. No, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.